The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. from her closet high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. Is that morning cup of joe, that rocket fuel or java in your morning or maybe even your afternoon? Is it your lifeblood? Coffee is a complex and yet simple one to take a deep dive into with coffee shops on pretty much every corner. Well, sometimes, but not always. A menu a mile long with extras like the whip, the frap, the foam, one or two pumps of your favorite flavor and maybe some sort of topping. Buying can not only break the bank, but almost put your pancreas into a sugar coma if you're not careful. There are coffees from Ethiopia to Indonesia, Guatemala, Honduras, and then across the valley over to Panama, and they all taste different. Then there's how to make a great cup of coffee further to steering your car to the drive through lane and just bellowing your order into a speaker as you order your double-double or whatever it is as you head to work or on the way home or just because. We're all doing different things these days. Now you can pre-order with an app, you can gain some stars, get some freebies and welcome the huge amount of marketing that's the latest seasonal treat. Some people love and would never give up or live without their coffees and others kind of like me don't handle it well but why is that is it something like genetics that are at play here because i can tell you there are plenty of days where i wish i could drink coffee and gain the uplifting effects and i see so many people rely on that as not only just me myself but of course as the nutritionist going over all of these food diaries and seeing the effects of it I don't love it when I see people and they end up with this crash, the mood, the sleeping patterns, all the negative side effects, I guess if that's the right word, that come along with coffee. So many studies have said that the caffeine in coffee, well, they could maybe lead to something like a miscarriage. That comes up every now and then. And then other studies say, nope, nope, that's not the situation. That is not coffee. You're all wrong. So as usual, the ongoing head spin of what exactly is healthy, well, that carries on. The bulletproof crave of the the butter coffee, of the MCT oil, put coconut oil in it and get your blender involved with your coffee. Well, that gained a massive following. I don't even know how many years ago it was. And I think it really started a craze of drinking coffee for health as well as performance. So there's a lot to it. So today on Eat This with Leanne, coffee, the ugly, the good, and maybe, let's see, even the best. While I used to think that coffee was like a crutch for most people, I would see it scrawled across their food diary again and again and again. I would most often strongly recommend to my clients that maybe they try and give up that coffee for a little while and see if they feel better from whatever the symptoms are that they presented. Each and every time they did, truthfully, after they got over the two to three days of a headache or going through that withdrawal, they would typically feel better. And then they say, oh my God, I can't believe that I can sleep now, that I actually have more balanced energy and I don't miss it. I miss the ritual. I miss the taste, the flavor, but I don't actually miss that hit of it. And I'm so pleased that all of a sudden I can get through my day and not need it, not need to go and get it to (laughs) somehow get through the day. So as with everything, I keep an open mind to these things. And when different people start to say things like one of my mentors, my own personal functional medicine doctor that looks after me and my kids when we can get to see him across the border down in Michigan, he started singing coffee's praises and all the good things that it can do from it. 
So I sat up and took notice, and I thought that it warranted a deeper look, and maybe it's time that I change up my approach. So to get some information from the horse's mouth, I want to welcome back Dr. Davis Brockenshire. He's a functional medical expert who has graced the airways of Eat This a couple of times now. He himself is not only a connoisseur of fine wine, but also, as it would seem, coffee. He has a way with his words and also his influence of how he shares his information. He's an incredible teacher and well-known in my circles with amongst all of my colleagues as the greats in functional medicine, how he supports his patients and all the clients. And honestly, we are so lucky to have him back on again today. Dr. B. Did you know that our last episode that we did, uh, episode 30, where we talked about booze, that has been one of the most downloaded episodes and also made it into our top five of the end of our season one, just as we wrapped up 2020. Now, I kept a social media post that you put out there a while ago, and it kind of just, it pretty much said it all that I wanted to talk about today, because I've been seeding this, that we're going to talk about coffee to the listeners for a little while. I'm going to read the post. Caffeine and water are the oldest and best substances to enhance physical performance, stamina, or recovery. Best for the brain, you said. Obviously, too much caffeine or like anything is poor. If B vitamin deficient, it's tough to handle. People with poor nutrition status handle coffee poorly, particularly poor methylators. As nutrition status improves, the benefits of coffee take over. You also said that coffee is a living food. See so many things just from one of your social media posts. So let's dig in. Let's talk about this. What's best for the brain? I don't know. Let's start there because, well, I don't know. Start wherever you like. But those are the kind of questions that I'm after. Put the quarter in and let me go. Okay, there we are. (laughs) All right. Turn the dial. So that post was put out there uh, mid-2020 just because so many people were day drinking and living on homemade cinnamon rolls. And uh, I thought, well, you know, it's hard to pair a wine with a cinnamon roll, but you can pair coffee really easily. So as we know, uh, coffee and caffeine have been extensively studied. But let's just look at caffeine for a minute and get this out of the way. Uh, Caffeine is a drug. It's the number one drug in the world. And I think everybody's familiar with its effects. It's classified as a stimulant. Uh, in athletic circles, it is an ergogenic aid, meaning it, it, it does improve performance. In the nootropic biohacking circles, it is a nootropic, so it enhances cognition, memory retrieval, uh, perceived energy, etc. But it doesn't create energy. Okay, caffeine um, helps your liver use sugar more effectively in the short term. However, it will lead to hypoglycemia if you're not careful. So that's why it's good to have some food around your caffeine dosages. Now, every drug has side effects. So caffeine by itself, let's say in an energy drink or a pop, does lead to nutritional deficits and other unwanted side effects like jitteriness, insomnia, twitches, all that stuff. But when you source caffeine from its whole state in food, for example, tea or coffee, you're getting a lot of other chemistry that goes with it. And we call that network pharmacology. So if you're getting caffeine from a food or beverage, then you're getting everything else that nature provided to make sure that the side effects are minimized. So coffee does enhance the brain. If you have some with you right now, take a sip because we're going to get a little crazy on chemistry today. All right. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> because if I said, hey, what's the best drug out there for diabetes? Coffee keeps coming up in the literature. And so really? Why, yeah. Why would coffee be so good for type 2 diabetics? Well, that's the well, sugar thing. That's the sugar thing. right? Yeah, exactly. It's a yeah. liver thing, sugar thing, insulin sensitivity. But if you actually read the studies... Uh, the benefits kick in after about nine cups of coffee. <laughs> in a week or in a day? In a day. Nine 
eight ounce cups. Wow. So that's a lot of trips through the Timmy's drive through. Is this black coffee? I, I want to get into that, obviously. Specifically, but they dose black, black coffee. Okay. Now, they've, they've repeated the study a couple of times, but uh, when you, you know, take it out of context and look at our historical use of coffee, we've always known that the coffee bean has very predictable effects, as does caffeine from tea. But tea is a whole other episode because tea is a different kind of medicine. Okay. Right? The tea is a leaf. And uh, typically it's dried or fermented and then you brew it. Done. Coffee, much like wine, gets very elegant. So let's give some history on coffee. You, you guys can look this up. But as you know, somewhere in Ethiopia, many, many moons ago, the you know dude's watching his goats and the goat starts to go crazy. He's like, what's wrong with the goat? Well, the goat was eating the berries off this bush. Turns out that inside the berry is a seed. And that is a coffee seed or coffee bean. Oh, that poor goat. So, yeah, that poor goat <laughs> tripped out. So they put two and two together and figure it out. Hey, I'm going to eat those beans. And they started to get a little hyper off the beans. And so there's the development of coffee out of Africa. But around the world, you know, coffee is one of those really subtle crops that's very sensitive to things like climate change. So if you really want to get a rise out of your listeners, you just published an article about how the entire coffee crop is threatened by climate change and coffee will be no more. Oh, no. <laughs> you have a civil war, right? Yeah. So that is true. But uh, you guys know where coffee grows, right? Colombia is amazing. You've got Central America, Mexico, Jamaica, the Far East, Indonesia, Jakarta, Africa, stuff like that. But it's always tropical and you need altitude. So one of the questions we're going to get to is organic. Um, coffee being a subtle crop needs a lot of work to grow. And you have to control the environment to some extent. So if you're doing a good job with coffee and you get a good crop and you get those berries off and you get the beans out, then you got to dry the beans under the sun. Now you've got good dry beans Right. Somebody's got to choose, hey, what do we want to do with these beans? Who are we going to sell them to? What are they worth? So you got a whole economy built around coffee. Once the beans get to, say, Toronto, then somebody has to decide, well, we're going to roast these beans. Mm. So green coffee beans really don't do anything until they're roasted for us. So then there's a whole art to roasting. And then once you hear the little crackle pop, you stop the roaster and hopefully your coffee is good. Now you've got whole bean coffee, which is your medicine, but like any herb, right? Coffee's a food, yeah. like any herbal medicine, it's not really medicine until it's prepared. So now we have to prepare the coffee. Well, okay, fine. So we're gonna grind the beans and then do what? We have all these methods of making coffee. So you've got drip, right? You've got percolation, you've got French press, you've got espresso, and some genius decided to make K-cups. And then the Italians are like, mamma mia, we need an espresso. So they make the Nespresso cups. And now we're arguing between plastic versus aluminum and cornstarch and mine's better than yours. And George Clooney comes on and he's not going to work unless he gets a cup of coffee. <laughs> but there's a short short of it, right? There's your history in a, in a coffee bean. What I want to the listeners to understand is as a medicinal food, the whole coffee extract, you had a good cup of coffee, yeah. has over 600 compounds in it that benefit our body. Polyphenols being the biggest one, just like wine, just like, uh, uh, let's say, acai berry or blueberries. Those polyphenols are good for our DNA. They're anti-aging, so on and so forth. But uh, yes, caffeine is in there, but that's only one compound. So when you have decaf coffee, there's still caffeine in it. There's only about five milligrams per cup, though. Right. But why is it that some people, when they drink decaf, they still get a buzz? It's the other chemicals in the coffee that do that. So you're dealing with a living food and it changes season to season to preparation method, so on and so forth. You, as a medicine, as an herbal medicine, your dosage is going to range anywhere from eight ounces of a drip brew yep. as a single dose upwards of 12 shots of espresso in a day. Wow. Now, everybody goes, wow. But in that. It sounds ounce, so much. Right. In that eight ounce brew, there's the same amount of caffeine as two and a half pulls of espresso. Okay, what's a pull? Not uh, being one pod, coffee. One shot, yeah. One shot. 
yeah. is equal to so how much of drip? Eight ounce. Okay. 200 milligrams of caffeine in a tall coffee from Starbucks. I do a okay. lot. I do a lot of pulling in one day. I tell yeah. you. <laughs> a lot. Well, you know, that, that can hurt your vision, you know. So, <laughs> coffee is good for your vision, uh, but it's not great for circulation. So, what happens is people get confused between espresso and uh, drip brew. And what I want to get out there today is there is a direct relationship between gluten sensitivity and coffee. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> For everybody that, that knows one. anything about gluten, coffee can mimic the gluten protein. So there's been extensive studies on coffee, and we know that drip brew coffee can mimic gluten in people that are gluten sensitive. So even if you're, quote, gluten-free... Yeah. If you're drinking brew coffee, you might actually still be sensitive to gluten because of the coffee. So Whoa. coffee is one of the great mimickers of gluten. However, there's a cure. Espresso ground. So if you fresh grind the bean to an espresso ground level really fine, okay. or you just order, say, an Americano, which is made with espresso, yep. there are no gluten mimicking compounds. So if you're gluten sensitive, you should yep. be drinking espresso type coffee and then you won't have an issue. So issues with gluten being inflammation, gut, gut issues, inflammation, brain fog, all of the things. Weight gain, asthma, is, allergies. Is this a relatively new thing, Dr. B? I mean, I've never heard yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Only about a year old. Wow. Okay. So me being the non-coffee aficionado. An espresso is the type of bean or it's the grind? It's the grind. There's a whole procedure to espresso, much like uh, making something in a lab, right? Okay. Well, so you could, let's say we go and we get some beans from Costa Rica. Yep. We're going to roast them. There's our Costa Rican roast. It's a medium roast. Most people would like it. You'd grind it at a medium grind for drip brew. Right. Okay. So it's it's kind of coarse, but not too coarse. If you're using a French press, you're going to grind it really coarse. Mm-hmm. For espresso grind, you have to grind it as fine as possible. Mm. The first rule of espresso is get the right grind. Okay. Right? Second rule is the machine has to be calibrated to the right pressure and temperature. The living food component falls back into the freshness. So coffee doesn't last very long. Once it's been roasted, you've got about a three to six week shelf life before it starts to lose some of its medicinal qualities. Mm, that's not yeah. long. Fresh coffee, right. So next time you see Folgers or Maxwell House at Costco. Don't buy it. If you went up to the cottage this April and nobody's been there in two years, don't drink the coffee that's in the cupboard. Right. It's bad. <laughs> right. As soon as you said Folgers, that made me think of what's that dry stuff? That you you know they made for for war. The, uh, oh, the instant stuff. That's it. Yes. Sorry, I can't yeah. even. I don't even. Yeah, that doesn't even come into this conversation oh, no, because that's, that's a whole other beast altogether. Black liquid. Yeah, that's got it. There's no medicine in there except maybe some caffeine. Any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutBright.com or LeannePhillipson.com. Now, since we've set the stage for what we're working with as a medicine, as a food, then why the disagreement on coffee? Why do some nutritional experts say coffee is a poison mm-hmm. and others say that it can be useful? Very pol- It's polarizing. Yeah. In its chemistry and in the what we call the unique bio-individuality of every person. So your microbiome has a lot to say about what your body's going to do with coffee. So if you've got mm-hmm. good bugs in your belly, you can typically handle coffee. But if you've been on an antibiotic, coffee can mess you up because it is a natural drug. It's a natural substance. And we're still talking black coffee, right? So if I say to somebody, you got to go off coffee, and then they start to cry. Yes. Um, I ask them, well, <laughs> what do you put in your coffee? Well, that's usually like 12 ounces of coffee, mate, and this and that. And I'm like, you don't miss the coffee. You miss all of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, you tell them, oh, you can drink six ounces of black coffee. And they're like, no, I'd rather not have it. Then it's not a coffee thing. Okay. That so the makes question, sense. I guess, to ask our ancestors is how did you guys do it without coffee? 
Yeah, of course. Compared to today, right? Yeah. And uh, they had other things they drank. But when coffee was introduced, it was a game changer. I mean, it changed the Ottoman Empire, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's the old joke, right? On the spice route with Marco Polo. By the time they got to England, all they had left was salt and pepper. So they stuck with tea. But everybody else, they had I, coffee. I would love to hang around your circles, and that's the jokes that come out. My, my friends all talk about some uh, a rabbi and a duck that walk into a bar, and you're talking about boat travels from the old world. <laughs> the Ottoman <great>. Empire. <laughs> So to put the uh, argument to bed of whether it's good or bad is it really just depends. Some people don't do well with coffee. Other people, it's their lifeblood. Yes. And you, you can always tell because they can take it or leave it. They have no problem stopping it, but life is better when they drink it. Amen. And they're coffee snobs. Yep. That's right. Me. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, life is better with coffee. Let's see, Lee and I, Leanne and I could be uh, much better friends, but she doesn't drink coffee, so <laughs> she doesn't want to go for cough. <laughs> yeah. So, what about the people who are what I might call more addicted to it, where mm-hmm. they do cry when you when I have said to them. Okay, can we try without coffee because of their blood sugar balance being up and down? Because of just all the symptoms that they've come to me for. They're like, I gotta have my coffee. I can't do anything else. And don't talk to me until I have my coffee. You know that. I mean, a lot of people say that anyway, but actually they would be fine if they didn't. But they just think that that's their perception. It's like, I have got to, I'm running an hour late, but I've got to get my coffee on my way to wherever. Like it is, it just becomes the thing that everybody has to do. How's that different? It's pretty simple. Those types of people typically rely on coffee as a natural laxative. The other angle is most of the people you just described typically have a hormonal imbalance that can be rooted in adrenal fatigue. So their adrenal glands don't know how to produce power on their own. The adrenal glands are addicted to the caffeine. They need that kickstart or else they just don't want to work at all. Right. And what's funny about that is most of the people you just described who have adrenal fatigue typically crave salt. Mm-hmm. So I've, if I've been there. Yep. And they got to have coffee. That's adrenal fatigue. If they would rather have a fresh baked chocolate chip cookie versus, say, a potato chip. So if yep. they're a cookie person, not a chip person, then they have a blood sugar imbalance. And what the coffee's doing for them is regulating their blood sugar. Right. If they're both, they're probably hungover. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> Okay, so that was like an epic rundown of coffee, and I haven't even asked any of my questions yet. So thank you, first of all. So how much is too much coffee? And and shall we just say now, listeners, that when we're talking about this, we're talking black coffee here. Everything is coffee noir. Because as soon as you add in the milk and or the sugar and the frap, whip, whatever, whatever, it it becomes what? It loses the antioxidant potential? It's no longer a beverage. It becomes a food. Okay. Coffee has no calories. Black coffee has no calories. The minute you put something in it, it becomes a food. How does that translate to bulletproof, for instance, with butter or MCT? Yeah. So... Black coffee is the studied medicine. That's the herbal medicine, right? That's an extraction or decoction. What Dave Asbury figured out when he was over in Tibet dying, and they brought him back to life with some yak milk and yak butter in his coffee. When you mix the right type of fat with black coffee, you're basically creating liquid energy, Mm. right? So it's like getting an IV of energy. It's fuel. Right. The coffee allows the fat to become instant fuel. So the coffee promotes bile flow, which allows the body to absorb fat most more efficiently, which is why if you're gonna have a three egg cheesy omelet, it's usually better to drink a cup of coffee with it than it is say a Sprite or a Coke. Okay. Right? It just won't digest right. And so there's a, a piece there, but bulletproof concepts using fat in your coffee are designed for people that are trying to avoid fuel from a food point of view. So if you're fasting and you're trying to avoid carbohydrate, 
one of the strategies is to use black coffee with fat as a way to get you through four to six more hours without having a hypoglycemia event. Frankly, I, I cringe every time somebody says, you should put your butter in your coffee. Mm. I don't want no butter in my coffee. <laughs> you know, I might get some uh, organic grass fed whipping cream if you want to get fancy. You know, or if it's okay. Christmas Eve, there's Bailey's. But in general, <laughs> black, black coffee. And if you want to do a little cream, fine. The cream helps balance the acidity. So anyway. what does it look like when someone is handling coffee poorly? You mentioned before the jitters. You mentioned, I don't remember now. Clearly. Yeah, oh, so you've got coffee. the jitters, the twitches, the neurologic <laughs> symptoms, really, you know, yep. uh, and mood. I mean, you, you, we've all been around people that haven't had a coffee yet. Yes. Wow. Not good. Not good at all. Um, you know, we, we always joke about being at the cottage, but uh, first person up, you know, you got to start the coffee because if you don't, you're getting beat. Right. right? And it's a long morning. Um, so it's a cultural thing. It's a social thing, particularly in the northern climates. The other thing that's interesting sociologically is the darker the climate, the greater the use of coffee. So there's mm. been studies done on submarines where you know the sailors wouldn't see daylight for weeks on end and as long as they had coffee they they were in a better mood wow so they theorize that there there's certain things in coffee that act as mood stabilizers not just caffeine so what mm. uh, what happens if you no longer get the twitching and the the hyperactivity from the caffeine anymore is that a thing that your body yeah, can yeah. get used to something like that you can adapt to any drug, correct? You, you build up a tolerance to caffeine. Um, and just like alcohol, sometimes you can have a, an alcoholic beverage and feel it right away. Other times you can feel nothing. So it really depends on what's going on in the liver and what your nutritional status is. Okay. But I know people that can drink a pot of coffee and fall asleep. Is that genetics or that's because their bodies can handle it now? It's usually an indicator of very poor nutritional status. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning their glands can't even respond to the caffeine, so it's just dead. It's just sitting in a whole different pattern. Yeah, see, I'm yeah. laughing only because that's me. Uh, that's I'm the guy who makes <laughs> the pot of coffee at 10 o'clock at night, and can I'll be snoring by 10:30. I, when I was 16 and I had my first cup of coffee, I was bouncing off the walls like flubber. But now I get nothing. It's just like a wow. warm hug. It's literally just a mental. I love the taste, and that's it. Yeah, there's a conditioning that goes on with the aroma of coffee, right? And in closed head injury assessment and in COVID assessment, one of the tools we use in clinics is a, an oil of coffee extract to test for sense of smell. Mm. So everybody knows what coffee smells like, right? Yep. Yep. So I open, if I open this little vial in the room, the whole room will smell like coffee immediately. Yep. And if people can't smell that, they got a problem with their brain or they have COVID or both. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's a nice little trick. And it's, it's actually sad because I've seen grandparents who didn't smell anything and they have no other symptoms of dementia. They just they don't smell the coffee and yet they still make coffee, but they don't taste it. Hmm. So one of the sign, first signs of uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's is the loss of sense of smell and taste. And uh, coffee is a good test for that. So if you're worried about things like that, if you can taste your cup of coffee in the morning, you're doing okay. Well, is that the reason why they use coffee grounds in scented stores like candle stores and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Because it does things to our brain. Right. So yeah, cool. if you've ever been on a long haul international flight, if you're in first class or a business or something, you can smell them making the espresso. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's morning somewhere. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So back to your uh, the post that you put out, and mm -hmm. you said if you're B deficient, then it's tough to handle. But also, you brought in about methylation. So you, can you brought the M word up. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Mostly because I because I'm ever hopeful now that I'm taking methyl B12 that. 
I might be able to tolerate the odd glass of wine or the odd, you know, slightly stronger coffee when I actually feel you need it. Because pretty much the whole of my life, I've, I have actually said, I really do wish I could. There are times when I wish I could drink yeah. coffee and I can't. I still can't. Yeah. And I just haven't pushed myself through the jitters and the feeling awful to be to be able to tolerate it because it's that unpleasant. Let's give that M word some justice. We'll take a few seconds to describe what where you're going with this. Yeah. So the word methylation technically is detoxification. Right. It's one of the methods of detox that our bodies do. The kidneys are actually the last line of defense for that type of detox. So B vitamins, particularly 6, 12, and folate, are required to make that machine work, the machinery of detox. And if you're deficient in the B vitamins and the machinery of detox starts to run really slow, and you get a backlog. And if you think in terms of a, a drain, if you don't have enough B vitamins, then the drain gets clogged and the sink starts to fill up. And uh, the longer that fills up, you know, the more sewage you have, the nastier it gets. Now you've got worms in your sink, it's gross. Oh. People that don't eat right, people that are stressed out, that don't sleep enough, that drink too much coffee, that eat too much sugar, they're B vitamin deficient. People that take medications for blood sugar, blood pressure, cholesterol, mental health, you name it, all of those medications, antibiotics, they deplete B vitamins. So most of the population suffers from some level of weakened methylation. Now, that's only one of six main detox pathways. The one that uh, caffeine gets stuck in is called glucuronidation, but that's just, that's all medical garbage. Essentially, there's an easy test to do to see if that part of detox works. Have a cup of coffee. If you feel horrible, you don't do that well. Okay. All right. That's genetic. If that's the case, you probably don't handle Tylenol, aspirin, Benadryl very well either. So when it comes to methylation, and there's a lot of information out there, there's a lot of influencers making a very good living, scaring the pants off of people about methylation. They're talking about different genetic quirks that go hand in hand with that. And the simple solution there is fix your diet, get rid of the poisons in your life. And three things nutritionally will restore about 80% of your methylation pathways. So the first thing is vitamin D. Vitamin D is one of the key components of healthy methylation. Sunshine. Or get a good supplement like a liposomal D. Number two is magnesium. Most of us are magnesium deficient. You can solve the magnesium problem with good magnesium glycinate. That will get the wheels of detox going. And then a good methylated form of Bs, preferably a liposomal form of these things. They should say methylated B. Yep. That's a fancy form of doing nutritional B vitamins. And you're looking for B6, B12, and methylfolate in those cases, preferably sublingually. So if you do all three of those, clean up your diet, get rid of the poisons in your environment, move your bowels regularly, eat something green once in a while that's not a Jolly Rancher, <laughs> probably start methylating. Okay. Yep. Sleep is important. And therein lies the conversation about coffee. You can't have caffeinated coffee within six hours of going to sleep because your body won't eliminate it fast enough and it will cause insomnia. All right. As well as causing insomnia, can it just make people not sleep well? Like rather than not being able to fall asleep, yeah. are they um, are they maybe going to crash and then also wake up as well? So one of the reasons people fall asleep and then wake up around between one and three in the morning is blood sugar imbalances. So if their blood sugar okay. drops, say below 60, their, yeah. their brain will wake them up and coffee can cause hypoglycemia. A lot of people, you know, if you go out to a fine, you know, remember when we could go out for dinner? I mean, most people don't, but way back yeah. in the olden days, we could go out for a nice meal at a steakhouse. Yeah. Yes. On the highs or something like that. And you'd have a nice steak, some greens, a couple cocktails, <laughs> bottle of wine, and then you might have a coffee for dessert. Coffee reduces the absorption of iron. So if you're eating a lot of red meat and you drink coffee, it actually makes it easier to digest. But most people would sleep pretty good after a meal like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, uh, situational issues going on here. 
But quality yeah. is key, sourcing is key. And the number one thing I tell people about coffee is it's all about the preparation. So back to the grind, the espresso grind being super fine. Yeah. And where did they get it? You know, who, where did they bring that coffee from? I know you and I have talked to Dr. Cass at length about coffee, I'm sure. And every we time have. I talk to we him, have. he has literally scoured the planet for a good cup of coffee. And he's currently yep. living in disappointment. Yeah, I even brought him some back from Australia because they're big into their coffee. Yeah, they are. And I don't think that it really cut the mustard, unfortunately. Oh. It was just very well-traveled co- well coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, find, I find in life it's the old adage, get what you pay for. I mean, if it's mattresses, shoes, jeans, you get what you pay for. I guess coffee falls into that category then? Correct. Okay. Uh, see, I've been I've been bugging my daughters because they want to hit Starbucks more often than not. And I'm a Tim's guy. You know, Tim's has perfected the method of brew. So Tim Hortons as a corporation designed the scientific process and procedure to make the perfect, consistent brew coffee. And it's good for mm. about 18 and a half minutes. And that's why they dump and make a new one. And anywhere you go where you get a Tim's coffee, it's going to taste like a Tim's coffee, right? Right. And so they have their own ratio of Arabica beans to Robusto beans. And they've just, that's going to give you that Tim's flavor anywhere you go. Just like Dunkin' Donuts in the U.S., which personally I think is gross, but I'm a Tim's guy too. Um, Starbucks has a different method where they use a lot more coffee to produce that stronger brew. So one of the reasons Starbucks is more expensive is they're using about three times the amount of bean oh. to make that cup. Wow. That's okay. why it's so bloody strong. <laughs> I, I, whenever I do a half calf from Starbucks, I am, I get jittery. Yeah. Leanne, I would recommend you try a half calf Americano. Okay. The much better tasting coffee and it's extremely clean. Hmm. So black Americano, half calf. Yeah. Half calf, black Americano. Okay. And if like my daughters, they've got a list of, oh, I saw this one on TikTok and now I'm going to try it out. So this Mm -hmm. is like, and I say to them, what do you want? The unicorn cocoa frappa whip double topped with something. And they just laugh. And I'm like, that is nothing to do with a drink. As a, as an amateur barista and foodie, when you're working with coffee, you know, at that level, you're really making an expression of what you're trying to offer your patron. Right. So if, uh, you know, like over Christmas, my folks were here and my dad said, I really love the restaurant you're running here because we're making <laughs> custom coffee for everybody. Right. And, you know, we've got fancy Italian machines and this and that. But another point to bring up that you just mentioned was hydration. Yes. Okay. For every ounce of drip coffee you consume, you need to have an ounce of water or you will be dehydrated. Mind blown. That's so easy for everybody to hear. One one ounce, one one to one. Yeah. So for example, I had, well, you don't want to know how much coffee I've had today, but I'm on 48 ounces of water already. So you can calculate that. Wow. Uh, Espresso being a concentrate typically needs a little more water than that. So for every ounce of espresso coffee, you need about 1.2 ounces of water. The Americano that you've just recommended for me has Mm -hmm. water in it. Is that right? Yeah. So it's a little bit like if we go back to episode 30, where we talked about the booze, rather than having a straight up martini, you have a Mm -hmm. have a vodka and soda. Yep. You got it. That's the better situation. It's a beautiful weekend. Um, (laughs) There's another method of brew that's pretty popular, but uh, it's not very good if you're impatient and it's the pour over. And so what happens there is you grind the beans, you put it in the paper and you slowly pour over the boiling water onto the beans, but the water has got to be at a certain temperature. What you're doing is you're allowing that water to integrate with the beans more completely So it gives you a more gourmet type cup. So if you've got beans from Kenya or um, Peru, something that's got a lot of fruity, flavorful notes, the pour over will really bring it out. Just be prepared to wait and uh, meet some really confused people in line 
Right. Because there's nothing worse than waiting 10 minutes for a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and like, is that on, man. is that something that you ask for at the coffee shop? If they offer it, it's called a pour over. Yeah. Okay. Next time we're in Santa Barbara, I'll take you to a place. They make a great pour over. Oh, I can't um, wait. We can't wait for every aspect of that, from the sunshine to the people to the all of it. Oh, my gosh. There's Bring one up. other piece I want to add. Yep. And French press is a civilized way to make coffee, right? And if you're camping or you're backpacking or you're like me, you travel a lot. I always fly with my French press. Yep. I'm that guy. Yep. Uh, and in any hotel room, you can get hot water, right? You can get a kettle or you can turn a Keurig into a boiling water machine. So the French press makes a really good cup of coffee. But there's been some literature recently that shows that drinking a lot of French press coffee can increase your LDL cholesterol. Whoa. And the reason it does that is the body, the liver particularly, is taking the chemistry from the French press coffee and turning it into a repair material. So LDL mm -hmm. cholesterol gets a bad rap as bad cholesterol, but it's yeah, not bad. What it's used for is repair. Yep. And so if you drink a ton of black coffee that's French pressed, keep an eye on your LDL. If it's going up, all things being equal, it's probably the coffee, but don't be alarmed. Mm -hmm. Just make sure you move your bowels regularly and get plenty of fiber in your diet. Right. Yeah, so if you went and had a physical and the doc's like, holy smokes, hey, your cholesterol is through the roof. <laughs> if you're drinking French press coffee, say, look, I'll come back in three months. I'm going to give up the French press. Let's see if it changes. <laughs> My doctor sounds like Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> Take off, eh? <laughs> oh. oh, great. Beauty. <laughs> okay, so last on my list is organic. Yeah. You know, really looking towards a healthy cup of coffee. And we'll maybe round up after this question on, you know, what are we looking for if we have a little checklist? But does organic need to go on that checklist of this is healthier? If you're using coffee as a medicine, it's got to be organic. You don't have a choice because coffee is one of the crops that uses the highest levels of pesticides. And it's also heavily contaminated with mold. That's why I recommended Fair Trade because they take care of most of it. In Canada, there is a brand called Kicking Horse. Yes, I've seen it. That is my favorite coffee when I'm in Canada. Okay. It's the Three Sisters blend from Kicking Horse. I know we're not brought to you by Kicking Horse, but we're not. I'm just throwing it out there. If you're in Canada and you want to do something fun this weekend, make a pot of Kicking Horse. Okay. So again, back to me not being the uh, coffee aficionado. Why would I not buy espresso beans? Espresso beans pre-made are going to be roasted very dark, ah, very okay. black. When we're talking about espresso, I'm not trying to reproduce that, uh, you know, sitting at a cafe in Milan, making fun of people drinking that Italian coffee that costs four bucks. I'm talking about the actual preparation methods. You know, grind, okay. temperature, pressure. I'm not trying to recreate an Italian experience. So in order for all the health benefits, the antioxidants, the liver support, the potential healing, the, I don't know, anything else you can think of that is actually good in the coffee. Number one, it needs to be black. You need to think about how you are preparing it. And what else? You always start with the best source of beans. Yes. And, and the freshest beans. So how do you figure that out? It'll that have on the a label? posted on date. Okay. If the expiry date is more than six months, it's not very fresh. It's very good to find a local roaster or a local coffee place and just get to know them. And they'll that you can go in the day they've roasted it. You'll know that it was fresh roasted because when you bring it home, the bag will be expanding from the gases coming off the coffee bean. Wow. Yeah. I think I know someone that used to roast her own. Yeah, you can buy roasters. And was very serious about her coffee. So I sort of feel like it, you know, it comes into, we've had the episode on chocolate, we've had different episodes, and you can really make this a total different experience to just hitting the drive-thru. Oh, totally. Yeah. But, you know, it is people's medicines. It's a it's a social event, but it uh, it keeps the country running, too. You know, it's a survival food. Yep. So it's not all bad. No. And everybody's an individual. So, you know, whatever works for you. 
Keep it simple. So, so much that we could keep talking about, but we're going to wrap it up with Dr. B here today. So thank you so much again for coming on and blowing our brains on so many levels. As soon as you said the word polyphenols, I knew that Chris, (laughs) Chris was thinking there's that damn word again that she keeps bringing up every now and then that I've promised a whole episode on polyphenols. Wait a minute. uh, Dr. B gave me a new word to obsess over and it's gluconoration. Glucuronidation. Sorry, glucuronidation. Listen, there aren't many words out there with six syllables in it. I'm gluco, gluco. <laughs> Ronadation. Right. Okay. That's I'll a be- good Scrabble word. <laughs> I was going to say, Chris is just going to win at Scrabble with that one now. It's going to take me half the day just to Google it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Davis, so much awesome. for your time, your expertise, and of course, always, as always, your inspiration. Thanks for having me. Eat this with Leanne. Okay, take a deep breath, whether you've got a coffee there or not. Holy smokes. I, I don't, How many ahas did you just have there, Chris? Like, uh, they just kept going. Yeah, a lot. I know, a whole bunch. And I'm, like, even trying to reach for it in my brain, which clearly doesn't have the coffee in it to help me memor- <laughs> to, to remember. But I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that. Because from the cholesterol to the diabetes. Yeah, the glucose thing. The whole glucose thing. And then gluten. If you've got an issue with gluten and you're having drip coffee, like, whoa, that can change lives right there. On Like, it's so cool just to let him go and let him run because he is such a wealth of information. So. I, was, I was playing a game. You, get, you guys didn't hear it in the background, but every time he used a word that was more than four syllables, I put a little, yes. I put a little dark rum in my coffee. Just to, <laughs> So I think there's more rum in there now than there is coffee, but... There has to be because there are a lot. There are a lot of words. There are a lot, a lot of that stuff. And as you picked up the glucuronidation, uh, there are there are certain words what? that I've learned learned in these circles. I think coming back back to that word, just as a quick aside here, apoptosis is one of my favorite word like glucuronidation. I mean, they're all processes that happens within ourselves and within our bodies. But every now and then, you know, I hear a word when I'm at a conference, whether it's Dr. B or Dr. Cass that he talked about, one of my great mentors, then they these words just roll off their tongue and you sit there and go, I have no idea. You totally (laughs) lost me. And even with apoptosis, I think I remember sitting there going, huh, that's a really groovy word. (laughs) I have no idea what that is. That did not come into my nutrition training, but I better figure it out because I got stuck on that word for the next 10 minutes thinking how groovy it was. And I totally missed the rest of what on earth it is. Okay. Nobody says groovy anymore. Okay. So you need to take that out of the vocabulary and holster that bad boy. <laughs> Groovy man. <laughs> Suddenly this totally. is like an episode of Austin Powers. I know. With what he was talking about. Oh my god, it's hilarious. Groovy baby. All right. Well, I somehow have felt somehow more grown up. I don't know. I remember my mom who used to say, here, try some coffee or here, try some wine. I was like, oh God, what are you doing, mom? I don't want any of that. So I I think in some ways I feel more grown up now that I can almost tolerate a half-calf coffee. And since starting my new adventure in my new job, learning all the new things that I have, I have actually relied on the coffee, having a cup of half-calf. Now I'm going to change it up to an Americano after what Davis said. But after lunch, then I've been having that coffee because I'm looking to stay alert and continue to learn all the things and have everything land, at least in my notebook, even if it's not in my brain. So I get it. I get where the need and the want for the coffee comes from, because for some of us, it really, really makes a difference. Now, I don't need the coffee. When I'm not at work, I can go days, I can go weeks, I can not have it again, and I would be totally fine and not sitting here thinking, I gotta go find a drive through I gotta have the coffee, which is what I hear from so many people, and maybe that's the kind of thing that puts me off, I'm not really sure. But I do like the idea of some of the benefits uh, to, to the liver and everything else that Dr. B shared, because my liver, in you know, in particular is in its perimenopause phase with all the, all the things that it's doing and breaking down all my hormones and all over the place. So maybe this is something that makes it better or worse. I'm not really sure. 
So as I delve into something a little bit new for myself, I love to go down into a slightly deeper layer of this. So I loved how Davis went into the differences with the coffee and the different flavors that you get, depending on the region of where you buy it from. And I'm definitely going to be looking out for that expiry, not expiry date. It was actually the roast date, wasn't it? Yep. Roast date. So that's what we need to look out for. So other things that I've done a bit of a a bit of a deeper going into the deeper layer of things like that I love like oysters. I feel like I'm a pretty good shucker. I know the difference now with the different regions, the different tastes. I don't love the ones that come from the BC coast. They're super salty, whereas PEI and New Brunswick, for instance, New Brunswick are definitely my favorites. I've dabbled in a similar way to tequila at some point. Well, that didn't go so well because that's super high in fructose (laughs) and my liver went nope sorry nice try not happening at all but it was fun while it lasted and then I looked for the cleanest and the best scotch to drink and ended up with a recommendation which you know I had probably a few drinks of and now is back in the liquor cabinet because I ended up with a headache so no more of that for the while (laughs) then we went into chocolate we went into that in episode 49 and uh, you know I've dabbled with wine and all those kind of things so maybe this is the next thing maybe it's coffee of, of figuring out what actually really, really tastes good. And then I'm going to try out that Americano. So I'm going to try and find some local roasters and see how I go there. You know, what else have we got to do right now? I mean, a million things still, but this is something that can bring a new level to that cup of coffee. So do you have your favorite blend or do you buy from a particular region? Because that's where you really love it please share. I love collaborating on all of this kind of stuff further to your Tim's or your Starbucks, but what's the region that you love or what kind of ground have you find or what kind of machine have you got? Why don't you reach out through SproutWrite social media channels on SproutWrite or Leanne Phillipson? Of course, you can always send me an email through leannephillipson.com or SproutWrite.com. Have to say I've been a little slower in replying lately, but I promise I'll get back to you. I flag them all and you will get a reply. Also in the show notes, I came across a really great site, Java Press, and he had loads of information on there. So I'm going to share that. I have no affiliation with him. I just thought it was really cool to find somewhere that was going a little bit deeper in different ways of the different, how you can make it, what kinds, where does it come from? So if you're looking for that kind of thing too, then go for it. about it for today because i've run out of steam i've run out of coffee i'm not really sure you still has your rum doing in there chris <laughs> it's almost empty <laughs> oh no oh no no <laughs> oh well thank you so much for being along as always you can always find more in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. You'll also find all the supplements, my books, my award-winning book, of course, on there as well. And then you can head over to sproutright.com if you want more information about any of the Take This supplements. And we've rejigged all of the shipping so we can get all of our all my supplements out to you in a much cheaper fashion. So... I think maybe I normally say eat this one mouthful at a time. Maybe we should be changed out to today for one sip at a oh, time. Gosh. I don't, don't know. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't get creative now. All right. I'm half in the bag and you're already feeling, you're already feeling the half calf you had earlier, you wimp. So <laughs> let's just end it with the same way we always do. All right. Thanks so much for being along. And please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>